Welcome back, regrets, to Season 3, Episode 1 of TheDashRink.com's Blackhawks Rinkcast, recorded from the luxurious Vivid Seats studio. Brought to you by the Overtime Media Podcast Network, your sport, your team, on your time. And as always, we are also brought to you by our founding sponsors at PuckHockey.com. That's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Check out their new lines, throw some rink wear in the cart too, Use the discount code THERINK, that's T-H-E-R-I-N-K, for 10% off all of your orders. And I believe they're still doing specials with shipping and getting uh, extras on the side if you spend a certain amount of money. So head over there, check it out. They're uh, launching a whole bunch of new stuff since the new season's going to start. So anyway, today is Tuesday, September 24th, 2019. I am your host, Jeff Osborne, better known as Puck and Hassel on the Twitters. Who could be scared of a Jeffrey? Yeah, Jeffrey's just this nice bloke from down the road, isn't he? <laughs> and today we're not joined by Mr. John Jekyll, who's somewhere in Europe scouting the Blackhawks or something like that. Maybe he's on vacation, maybe he's not. Uh, but we do have a full boat of our best writers. Not, I guess I shouldn't say best writers, but our great writers um, here who took part in our prospect tiers. And uh, I want to make sure that I shout them all out because they're all, you're going to hear them all speaking later. But we have Eric Andrews, Mario Tarabasi, Aaron Goldschmidt, uh, Juliana Nakach. <laughs> we, we talked about this in the pre, pre-chat. Um, and Ron Luce. So we're all here. Um, you guys worked really hard on the, uh, the prospect tiers. I, lo- I, I was really proud of how it turned out. So um, we will talk with each one of you. Um, but first of all, I will let us all talk about, you know, what's going on with the Blackhawks generally. Uh, we'll get into, you know, they, they started the preseason. They're 2-1-1. One, one. Uh, Nealander and Kane are leading the team with three points each. Uh, Kubalik leads the team with two goals. Crawford and Lehner, uh both have wins, but uh, Lehner today left practice with a minor injury. I don't know how that may affect uh, the game tomorrow, but we'll see. Um, but they play tomorrow versus the Capitals, and then they head overseas for their the whole shindig over there. Um, so let's just start things off. Um, let's start with Mario because he gets the most of of the prospects down in Rockford. What, what have you thought of the the preseason? Quickly, we'll go through all of it. So um, I thought it's been interesting. Um, obviously, the the guys that have been the the major storylines. Um, Guys like Nylander and Boquist and uh, Kubalik have all been um, pretty visible, which is which is a good sign. Obviously, um, you know you're you're playing teams that are kind of glorified AHL teams for the most part, but I think it'll be really interesting um, tomorrow against Washington, and then uh, they got Boston, and then they head overseas. Uh, or no, is the Boston game overseas? Uh, yeah, I think it's in like Germany or something, isn't it? Yeah, I, that, no, that sounds right. The Boston game is in Boston. Oh, okay. Is it in Boston? Okay. Boston uh, here, And then so. it's like the next okay. day they play uh, that uh, that other European do, team. Yeah, they do have a, a European preseason game. I know that. But it's on yeah, Sunday. I think they go directly from Boston to Europe. That's going to be a trip. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, after, I feel like after tomorrow night, there's going to be pretty much, you're going to be cut down to what's going to look like your NHL club. And 
um, you know, first or second call-ups. And um, I think that, you know, Nylander, Kubalik, those two guys look like they're probably going to stick around. And yeah. I think that's what everyone was, was hoping for and um, been impressed by them. And yeah, we'll get uh, we'll get more into Boquist and yeah. stuff. But yeah, I think um, the guys that you've wanted to look to 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 step up in the preseason atmosphere have. Cool, uh, Ron. I know you did a uh, didn't you do a recent uh, recap? I did. Yeah. Uh, yes, what, did. what have you thought? You got any any uh, words of wisdom or anything on the uh, preseason? Um, honestly, so far, a guy I've been very impressed with is Oli Mata. Um, I feel like he's hasn't been getting a ton of love from the like major outlets. I mean, obviously, as we've discussed, you know, Boquist and the the big storylines with Nylander and some of these other guys. Um, but you know, he's just looked really sound, and you know, he's just doing his job, and it's just refreshing that they actually have a bottom pairing defenseman that isn't a total train wreck. So, um, I've been very impressed with him, and so far, him and Seabrook have actually looked okay when they played together in the preseason, and. I mean, if that's their third pairing this season, I would be a very happy camper. So yeah. um, I think he's he's probably been, uh, you know, outside of the ones that I'm sure we're all going to talk about. So I want to leave other right. people, you know, something to talk about. Uh, but I really liked Ole Mata so far. Yeah, I, I didn't. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see a lot of the preseason games. Uh, I was out of town in Vegas getting married. And uh, but what I did see is it, it looked like, you know, Nylander looked really well. And uh, I liked what I saw at least in little bits and pieces of home. Uh, I thought maybe he might stick around and they would send Boquist and Bodan and all those guys down so they could play together in Rockford. And then home would kind of be that, you know, seventh guy, maybe with, with a, a Dahlstrom or something uh, or cuckoo at, at eight or something like that. Uh, maybe Dahlstrom didn't make the team and, and home did, but it's not really the way it worked out. So, but uh so, Juliana, uh, what did you think? What do you, I know you did a recap this weekend, so what, what were your thoughts? Um, honestly, the game that I recapped, they there were very few players that looked good. I'm going to have to go again with Alex Nylander. I feel like every time that I've watched him, he has just completely stood out. I know a lot of people were saying that kind of looked dull when he was up with the Sabres and there is talent there, but he hasn't put it all together. But I think when he was on that line with Kane and Tate specifically, he really put it all together. I've also been um, extremely impressed with Kubalik. I think he really fits in well with the team. He's got a lot more firepower to him than we originally thought. I kind of thought that he was just a little bit of a lower tier prospect, but I really think he can fit well in the middle six and I've been really impressed with him so far. Cool. Eric, anything? Oh, yeah, kind of just echoing what others have said so far with Nylander. Um, I think he was one of the the biggest guys that people were curious to see how he would do um, in the preseason. And so far, he's looked good, which has been encouraging. Um, obviously, it's it's still the preseason, so we'll see what he can do uh, once October rolls around. But so far, so good. And Aaron? Best for last. Let's do this. <laughs> You're not, gonna talk, you're not going to you're not going to say anything about trading Patrick Kane, are you? <laughs> All right, calm down. <laughs> I'm going to say two things that I've never said on this podcast or in any article I've written for the rink. Um, through a few games that I've seen, I've been impressed with Eric Gustafson 
And Chicago Blackhawks power play. I got it off my chest. You know, JJ is probably going to be listening to this podcast over in Europe and just tearing the earbuds out of his ear. Yeah, he's he's probably rolling on the floor. But um, in an in-game interview, Gus did say the one thing he's been working on over the summer was his defense, um, you know, settling the puck down in his own zone. He's got really good outlet passes. It seems like the Blackhawks are really trying to work on that transition game. You could really notice that Jeremy Colleton's system is implemented now, and, and it's it's really evident. Um, and the Blackhawks' power play was just – I mean, I know we were playing the Boston Scrubs, but it just seemed different. It seemed like Colleton has each guy touching the puck for two seconds, and if you have it for longer, it's a failure. You need to just keep the puck moving. And it was something I'd never seen. I mean, we're always calling it the – shit show petroleum power play but i think they're going to be really really good um if they keep moving it around like that i mean the entire year like it, before the power play looked decent uh last year and even a year before i i kept telling john i'm like they got to keep they have to move the puck faster they have to move the puck faster they move it too slow the penalty kill penalty killers end up closing the lanes shots get blocked nothing ever gets through and now, look, miraculously, they're moving the puck around faster, and they look like a competent power play team. So, yeah, and they're getting goals that they haven't gotten before. So they're moving it really fast, and they're creating those lanes with the one-timers, especially with Gustafson. Um, and they're also getting cleanup goals. Nylander had a nice rebound goal. I don't know if that was on a power play, but uh, I think Strom had one too. But, yeah, they're – they're getting the puck to the front of the net on an open lane and there's a rebound and someone just cleans it up. I think maybe Kubelik had a goal like that too. That's not something we're used to seeing. And it was kind of encouraging seeing a lot of those dirty goals. Yeah. That Kubelik, uh, that one timer that he had was very impressive because you know, that was, that's the kind of one timer that like Debrinket and Panarin did, you know, I mean, it's only preseason, but that's the kind of play that you would see out of those guys. And uh, that, that's promising if he can, you know, be a second tier or second uh, second unit power play guy that can, you know, unleash a shot like that. And uh, from all the video that I put together when I was doing that highlight video, that was a lot of what I saw. He actually played the point a lot over in uh, when he was over in Europe he, uh, because of his shot. He was uh, on the point for the power play a lot, but he was also on the backside uh, just setting up one or, you know, taking one timers. And so it's nice to see that, that some of that has translated over, at least to the North American ice. We'll see if it really translates over to NHL uh, quality competition, but uh, you know it's a start, so it's better than you know Dylan Sakura. So, <clears throat> so anyway, uh, that's the Blackhawks. You know they're gonna they're gonna do their thing. They're gonna go overseas and and play that whole thing. Uh, they're gonna be playing sparsely over the next couple of weeks. Uh, they only got like two three games because of all the traveling and stuff. Um, so we're going to have a little bit of time to talk about things. We'll probably have another podcast. I think Mario and I, uh, maybe some other people who play NHL 20, may uh, do a little special podcast just for the gamers out there, talk about uh, NHL 20 and uh, our thoughts on Blackhawks and what they look like and why NHL 20 or EA Sports hates Kevin Lankinen and uh, all that good stuff. Yeah, once the proper rosters are uh, are available. Yeah, I, I spent like an hour moving players around the other day just so I could have a somewhat somewhat decent roster out there. So, and then I had to fix some other players, but that's another thing altogether. 
people don't want to listen to my video game problems. So uh, the, the bulk of this is going to be prospect talk, and I'm going to let the writers do their thing. Uh, I don't want to step in too much. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a second here. Uh, we're going to pay some bills. So a couple uh, commercials from our sponsors, and then we're going to come right back. We're going to do the whole prospect thing all together, and then we'll wrap it up for the, uh, for the evening for uh, episode one of season three. And remember, use promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases for first-time customers only. Finding the right pros for home projects can be tough and spark a lot of questions like, how do I find a pro who can help? Will they do a good job? Will I get a fair price? That's where HomeAdvisor can help. From leaky faucets to major remodels, HomeAdvisor connects you to the right pro for the job in seconds and even helps you get a fair price. Read reviews, check project cost guides, and book appointments. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free HomeAdvisor app to start your next project. All right, so we're back. So earlier uh, in July, we decided we were going to do kind of a prospect thing. We're going to do it a little bit differently than just the list or numbers or one to 10, uh, because you get a, a lot of people that, you know, like, well, he shouldn't be an eight. He should be a seven. And back, and we really didn't want it to be, you know, that nitpicky. So um, the writers came together and said, hey, we'd rather do it in a tier level kind of uh kind of thing and i really like the idea and uh so you guys worked this summer you all work privately together uh you did a ranking system with these uh with these players and you all came up with uh you know certain tiers and stuff so eric i'm gonna let you kind of explain kind of what it is and then uh as the tiers go on i will kind of explain what each tier is or what it should represent as far as players go so go ahead eric Sounds good. Um, yeah, before we start, I just want to reiterate that this really was a group effort. Um, even though I was writing each of the pieces, um, you know, I, I could not have done it by myself without everyone else's help. Um, so just to be clear about that, um, every point through the process was a group effort with everybody on the panel. Um, so with that, I guess the first step um, you know, about the series was figuring out which prospects would be eligible. Um, and we determined that that would be skaters and goalies, well, skaters 24 or under with 40 or less games played in the NHL. And then any goaltender with 10 or less games played in the NHL. And so once we had that list of players compiled, we then needed to figure out both how many tiers we wanted to break them into as well as, what those tiers would be. Um, and that took a little bit of tinkering with to, to get something that we were all happy with, but finally got there. Um, and then from that point, we went through the entire list of players and gave them an individual rating um, based on what those tier classifications were. Um, and from there, we compiled those and figured out an average and for some players, it was very apparent um, based on our voting what tier they would fall into. <laughs> a few guys even had 100% agreement on where they should be, so that made it easy for a few guys. Um, and quite a few others were within one vote of being consensus, so that was also pretty easy for those guys. But there were also quite a few others who were 
<laughs> very much all over the map as far as um, what we think that they could become. Um, so that was really the the biggest aspect of of the of the process was just figuring out where some of those guys would end up. Um, yeah. So we, from that point for any of those guys that we need to talk about, we made our case for each of the players and, um, still for some, we could not get to a consensus. So we had to argue a little bit more and some people <laughs> had to concede a little bit on their voting, um, so that we could get to a final list. Um, and then from there, we put the pieces together and uh, um, is what you guys have seen on our website. Yeah. And poor Jack Ramsey got forgotten about. Yeah. <laughs> Figure it out. So, all right. So what's going to happen is we're going to work our way backwards. We're going to work from tier six up to tier one, tier one and two. Uh, those are the highest tiers. Um, we don't, we're not going to bore you with the numbers of the grades or the scores or whatever. We're just going to read them off and then we'll kind of discuss each tier and then we'll, uh, each writer will get their chance to kind of, you know, talk about a specific tier. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start off with tier six. And I, even though I wasn't one of the writers, I'm going to actually start off with tier six. These were organizational depth players or goalies with little or no chance to play in the NHL. So uh, these players were um, Matthias Fromm, uh, Rope Levinen, uh, Ryan Shea, Parker Fu, Fu. Uh, Jake Ryzek, Nathan Noel, uh, the aforementioned Jack Ramsey, and everybody's favorite prospect over here at the dash rink.com, Graham Knott, makes the tier six. Um, he, uh, there's some discussion there, and I, I'm sure we're all gonna, especially Mario, might have something to say about Graham Knott. He was, you know, a former high pick of the Blackhawks, and he has been a fourth line AHL player. Uh, who surprisingly every once in a while scores a goal. But other than that, he is uh, a non-factor. Uh, his size hasn't translated, and uh, his game has not translated at all. Jack Ramsey, on the other hand, while Aaron and I uh, and Mario were actually kind of impressed at some of the camps with him. I think maybe uh, Eric was too. But, uh, you know, he looked like a decent big forward but this year they decided to move him to defense, so it looks like he's going to play defense probably with the uh, um, the fuel, Indy, uh, unless they move him back to forward. But they, he'll probably still be an Indy even if he's uh, with the fuel either way. So, uh, but uh, you know, none of these guys. I actually was a little higher on Rope Levinen. I thought he was going to be maybe a little bit higher. I, I or at least I think of him as a little bit higher. But I didn't vote on these, so. Um, I'll let you know. Any, anyone want to jump in and talk about tier six? Anyone got something to say? Uh, yeah, I mean, some of these guys uh, I've been able to see, you know, with 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 not and with uh, Noel in in Rockford, so I can I can speak to them the most. Um, you know, I, I really don't see a, an NHL future at the very least with the NHL black with the with the Blackhawks uh, for either of those guys. Um, you know, they're, they're organizational depth players as, as the tier says. And, um, you know, Noel's a, a, you know, an energy feisty forward in the AHL and probably nothing more than that. Um, whereas Noel's energetic and feisty Graham, not is not that, um, he's just kind of a, a big kid. And 
I don't know if it's between the ears or, or, or what, but it just seems like since his draft year, he hasn't developed almost at all in, in from, from what I was able to see of him uh, in his time in juniors till, you know, uh, two seasons ago, his rookie year in the AHL. And then last year with the Ice Hogs, it was just a bunch of the same, um, you know, big guy who doesn't use his size um, and have the speed of, of today's game and just doesn't really have a lot to offer. And it sucks that he was a second round pick for the Blackhawks. And, you know, we've we've done the game of who could they have had instead and always leads to depression. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, that's that that's the that's what I got on those two guys there. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Aaron, you might have something to say because there's a couple of college guys or former college guys in here. Do you got anything? Yeah, a few things. So Ryan Shea is going to be a senior. I'm pretty sure he's going to be a, a captain at Northeastern. And he was most successful with Dylan Sakara uh, actually on his team on the power play. But we saw him at camp and um, he got, you know, he's kind of not really super noticeable out there, which is a good thing on defense but he kind of reminds me a lot of uh, luke snuggerud similar build similar size um similar stats but uh yeah it's kind of really up to him um what he's going to do after college um we'll see it just nothing really stuck out to us uh, parker foo is intriguing um i know his brother spencer actually got sent down from the flames and i don't know if he's as good as, as his brother but um he's playing on a good union team i'm sure juliana can touch on that um, but yeah, I mean, he's doubled his production and, um, from his sophomore year to his freshman year. Uh, so I'm, I'm expecting a lot from him. He's probably going to get more quality minutes, maybe some power play time and hopefully in the top six role. Um, and then Jack Ramsey. Yeah, we, we were impressed with him before. It, I was so shocked when they said that he was moving to defense. It just doesn't make sense to me. That like you might as well move the, Graham not to defense, you know, if you're going to do Jack Ramsey, but yeah, yeah. But I, we forget that Andrew Shaw was, you know, not a top pick, and he kind of made his way um, to the NHL and to the pro level by being aggressive, by being um, a go-getter, a grinder, and then he kind of rounded out his game and proved, like Brad Marchand, that he's just because he's small doesn't mean he can't score. So um, I, I think Jack Ramsey could be a sneaky pick to make it to Rockford and and maybe do something in the next few years, and then Graham Not, I just we're all really high on Not. Um, not high on him, but like we had high expectations <laughs> for him being a second round pick and had, with his size, like we're constantly on the Blackhawks looking for this second line center with big size. But uh, honestly, like with the Philip Deneau thing and the Mark McNeil, I, I know that he hasn't had success and maybe he um, doesn't have the right experience right now, but he's been in the system for so long. You, I think the Hawks need to just give this guy a shot at, at the level. Maybe he doesn't deserve it, but or just move see on. what this guy has. I mean, you, I don't think you can let people be in the system for too long without giving them some sort of light at the end of the tunnel, Even maybe even though they don't deserve it. But that's just my take. I mean, on the flip side, you got people like Blake Hillman, who got, what, a year? And they just discarded him. But you got Graham Knott, who's been here for like three years. Though, I think... You have so many defensemen in the system, you have nothing of what Graham Knott is. Yeah, well, yeah, sucky, but yeah. <laughs> Nailed it! So anyway, any, anyone else got anything to say about Tier 6? Got any uh, comments? or? 
uh, Rychek was his career was ended by Kirby Doctor in the uh, <laughs> prospect camp. So that was that was about him. That was a trademark Mario Taravasi uh, comment, wasn't it? Uh, yes, yes, it was. <laughs> I was gonna say it sure was. Juliana, was, I think I saw you yeah. unmute yourself. You got something to say? Um, yeah, I was just gonna go off with Parker Fu. I kind of watched him a little bit last year with Union in 2017, 2018, when I was still at Quinnipiac. Um, I think he's just fast. That's really all he is. He kind of reminds me of um, Alexander Fortin in that way. Like he just is fast, but he has stone hands, to be honest with you. And he did score five goals last year. Big deal. Whoop. Uh, but other than that, like I could see him getting power play time. I think he will get power play time because um, they lost a little bit of depth this year. Um, a lot of their like seniors graduated and a lot of their good guys just kind of, you know, went away. But I think he will get some power play time. Hopefully we'll see that. Hopefully he'll improve that way. But I just can't see him really making the Blackhawks roster. Maybe another team with his speed, but probably not the Blackhawks. Yeah, and our boy uh, William J. Lepetamane on uh, Twitter. He's a union guy. He, rem- I th- he reminds me every time a union player shows up. So I think we've wrapped up to tier six, huh? Are we good on that? Yeah, I think so. All right, good. All right, so tier five. Uh, Ron Luce is going to be uh, taking care of that, but these guys are the fringe forwards, fringe defensemen, AHL goalies uh, with eight. Slight chance to play in the NHL. So it's tier five. We've got a couple more players than we had in the last tier. So take it away, Ron. And make sure we talk about some of these guys that were on the uh, on the cusp of you know moving up or maybe even moving down. So Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, so the, I'll just list them off first, and then I'll, I'll kind of touch on some of the guys that were close. Um, so in this tier, tier five, we have Brandon Hagel, Antti Sorella, so the younger brother of the Sorellas, um, Dominic Bassey, um, Archer Kayamov. I think I, I think I pronounced that wrong, yep. but that's okay. No, we'll keep going. Right. Uh, Josh S, uh, Jacob Galvis, Mikhail Hakarainen, Reese Johnson, Cole Moberg. Okay, here we go. Andre Alti Barakian. Alti Barmakian. Barmakian, yes. <laughs> Alti Barmakian. I don't know why I can remember that one. Go ahead. <sighs> It's brutal, but uh, it is. and then um, Ivan Nalav- Nalimov, yeah, and then Yoni Tulola. So uh, I got the tongue twister tier as well uh, as <laughs> tier T-T-T. five. So, but um, certainly guys that I think the two really of the group that kind of sparked the most discussion um, were were Brandon Hagel and Cole Moberg. So I know Juliana and I were both high on Moberg. Um, we both had him as tier four. Um, whereas I think everybody else was pretty consensus with him being either five or six. Um, and then Brandon Hagel, I will fully admit. Um, so just as a disclaimer ahead of time, if we go based on averages of every player that we picked in these tiers, I am the most optimistic person of the group. Uh, the numbers prove it. And I said, Brandon Hagel was a tier three. Um, I was very, very high on him uh, as being a middle six forward, which is what tier three is. So um, I just there's something about him, I think, with that speed and that that kind of that scrappiness and really just kind of that, you know, goes hard at 110 percent every single play type guy. So um, I had him pretty high, but he he was certainly one for for topic. I think he very easily could have squeaked into a tier four. 
Um, but just because of, you know, law of averages, he made his way into tier five. So, um, but I was very, very high on him. And then just an interesting thing I said about Margaret Moberg that I think was fairly interesting to say, I kind of compared him to a Jason Garrison when Garrison was actually a useful player. I just kind of, you know, he, he doesn't necessarily stand out, but he's got a good shot and, um, you know, he could, he can do some damage with that shot when he actually uses it. So, uh, those are just a couple of my observations. But, yeah, uh, by far, I think uh, Hagel and Moberg certainly generated the most discussion amongst our group of, of where they should officially land. All right, I'm going to jump in really quick, just say a few quick things, and I'll let you guys take it away. The Hagel thing, um, when I saw him at uh, the prospect tournament, um, I was kind of impressed with his leadership. He seemed to be like one of the leaders out there. Uh, usually that goes a long way with the organization, so I could see him maybe playing a big – a big part in Rockford this year. And then maybe at some point being, uh, you know, that possible guy that gets called up if there's an injury or something like that, especially with the lack of, of a lot of top end wings in the system. They really don't have much right now. Um, let's see who else. Hacker Ryan. I was not super impressed with him. I saw him play uh, Ray will Ray wasn't able to make it tonight, but he was actually part of this too. Ray Napiantek. He, uh, when I went to go watch the, uh, the, the uh, steel play last year, they played against Hacker Ryan in, in the playoffs and I was not super impressed with him. Um, he was just okay. He was out there, but he didn't stand out. He was just an okay player. He actually looked better in, in prospect camp than he did uh, in the USHL. So, um, and the uh, nail him off is just, you know, he's going to be a, probably a footnote, I think in a, in a bad joke or he's actually already pretty much turned into a bad joke because I don't know that he's necessarily going to ever come over here. And he seems like he might have an attitude problem or some kind of, uh, he might be some kind of head case. He's been released by a bunch, you know, even though he's played well over in the KHL, he has been released by teams several times. And the one time he came over and played for the Blackhawks, it was in the preseason. They threw him in a game against Detroit and he gave up like three gold in the first period. Again, that was three years ago, but still. Um, other than that, I really don't have a whole lot more. So if anyone wants to jump in, go ahead and uh, jump in on Tier 5. Yeah, for me, um, Hagel was one of the guys that, uh, you know, coming into this into this summer was uh, intriguing just because of, you know, he had he had such a, a big season uh, with Red Deer uh, toward, you know, this, this last year and his last year in junior and, you know, hopped in for, um, just about a half dozen games with Rockford at the end of the year. And, you know, he looked like he, he had, has a lot of the tools to, to be successful. And just throughout prospect camp and, and then through training camp, he really uh, started to impress. And, you know, it seems like he's, he's, he's got a lot of the tools there to, to be successful at the next level. Um, I feel like his, his shot is, is pretty impressive for, for where he's at right now in his career. Uh, his speed and his motor are, are, you know, pretty desirable for, for a player at his level. And, um, you know, I, I personally had him in, in the next tier up, uh, in tier four, but, um, you know, I, I think he has a, he has a lot of potential, um, on the offensive side and just getting, uh, getting everything put together, uh, for him to become a complete player is probably the, the biggest thing for him to, you know, become a, a full-time, uh, NHL player. And, um, yeah. And, and to, to the leadership part, uh, that that gate touched on um you know he he wore a letter in in red deer and um you know his teammate reese johnson uh was also wearing a letter uh and in traverse city so 
um you know they're they they were teammates for i think it was all four seasons that they were all there that they were both there and um they're like best friends so uh it's good to uh to have them together they're both going to be with rockford to start the year and um yeah hagel's i think hagel out of this tier might have the the most upside and um yeah he's 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 been impressive as the summer's gone on juliana you want to talk about cole moberg yeah, of course. So um, Ron already like kind of talked about him a little bit, but I was really impressed with him when I was scouting him even prior to the draft. Um, I think he has really good size. Obviously, he's a big body. Um, he has a really nice shot from the point. And when I was watching a lot of film of him, I just saw that like his skating on work needed a lot of work, but I can see him really being a decent bottom defender if he gets his skating up to par. Um, overall, I think he played pretty well on Prince George last year and they were terrible. They were awful. And I think that he just really needs to develop his skating. And I think he has a better chance of making the NHL than some people might think. Eric, you want to jump in? Uh, yeah. I mean, the one thing that stands out to me, we talked about Hegel a lot already, um, and quite a few of uh, our panelists did have him in tier four um, just to explain why he was in tier five. Um, I think at the end of the day, we came to the agreement that we want to see him actually um, producing in a regular season, um, not just in a prospect camp or Traverse city or anything like that. Um, I would agree with, with uh, what most of you guys have said about him too. And that he, probably does have the highest upside out of anybody in this group. Um, but just kind of reiterating that it still is really early and, um, you know, many guys can have, have a good summer, but we want to see it over, over the course of at least a season or two. Aaron, you got any college guys in there you need to talk about? Uh, Josh S was in here, um, at Wisconsin and I know Mario's, Super high on the Badgers this year, and they're going to be great with, um, you know, their two first-round picks. But yeah, I, I think the uh, the big say team, their names: uh, <laughs> Alex Turcott and Cole. What's what's that dude's name? The little guy, Cole Cauliflower. Cole Cauliflower. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> That's for me. So yeah, they're they're going to be great, and one of the actually the. Uh, Games to watch, biggest games to watch is going to be Wisconsin against Penn State. Um, if you like fast hockey, you're going to really, really enjoy that series. So, yeah, keep an eye on Josh S. He's His production has been good. I think he's had five goals last year, and he's kind of been pretty reliable back there for Wisconsin. And So, yeah, I'd definitely uh, look out for him. And then Bassey, I think he's going to be at uh, Colorado College next year. Um, and then Hakkarainen left Providence because he sucks, and he could have gone to the Frozen Four, but he left. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, that was good foreshadowing. You talked about the Penn State thing. So the next tier, I guess we'll just move to the next tier. Uh, actually, contains someone from uh, you know Penn State hockey team. So tier four is bottom six forwards, third pairing defenseman type, and fringe goalies. Uh, Eric Andrews, you're going to take this tier. So. Take it away. Go. Oh, uh, we know why you're going to take this tier. So that's a little foreshadowing there too. So. 
<laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> okay, so the players in Tier 4, um, and we did have um, a few that could have gone either way and just fell into this tier based on our um, our discussing about them. So we have Evan Barrett, Mackenzie Entwistle, Alexi Sorella, Josiah Slavin, Dennis Whoa. Gilbert, <laughs> Matthew Matthew Highmore, Kevin Lankinen, Nicholas Norgren, John Quenville, Michael Tepley, Lucas Carlson, Mario's favorite Tim Soderland, and Alexander Fortain. Nailed it! There you go. So uh, <laughs> go ahead and discuss. You you know a little bit more about this than than I do. So yeah, um, the the ones that. Um, we're more, most so on the edge of being in this tier or in another tier. Uh, at the top end, we're Evan Barrett. Um, he was split right down the middle among our panel between being in tier three and being in tier four. Um, so I'm sure quite a few of you guys will want to discuss him. Um, and then at the bottom end of the tier was Fortain. Um, and just based on his average and then based on a few things that some of us had to say, um, he fell into tier four instead of tier five. Um, and then another guy that generated some interesting discussion was, uh, one of my personal favorites, Josiah Slavin. Um, and <laughs> never would have known. Erroneous, erroneous, erroneous on both counts. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of us were, um, thinking that he'd fall right around here, but some of us were, much higher on him than others. Um, so I'll let those um, panelists talk about why they were so high on him. Um, but yeah, I think those three really stood out as far as generating discussion. And as far as one guy additionally that stands out to me would be Mackenzie Entwistle. Um, I think uh, for me and you both, Gate, when he first was acquired uh, last summer and we saw him at prospect camp, he just didn't really stand out much and we didn't think much of him mm -hmm. but really since that time since the since the start of last season he's really established himself as a guy that looks like he'll be a really solid depth option in the nhl for a while once he gets there yeah uh so eric he is a bad bad man <laughs> as far as evan barrett goes i think he could develop into a bottom six center um, he's got a little bit of gruff to him. If anyone saw that video last year of him yapping in the penalty box, uh, <laughs> you kind of get an idea of what he's like. He's kind of like an Andrew Shaw, a smaller type Andrew Shaw, uh, Slavin. I got to see him, uh, play with the steel this year. Uh, he's impressive. Uh, he's especially for who he's selected in the draft. Um, I, I think, you know, he's got a chance to, to maybe, uh, at least become a, excess, a, success, a successful AHL player, but maybe even more than that. Um, Gilbert, he's kind of grown. I, I had him and Hill, Hillman kind of together last year. Uh, Gilbert kind of, he moved, he moved himself up, and Hillman kind of just lost favor. Uh, Gilbert was, you know, the captain of the prospect team in Traverse City. So, uh, you know, obviously they think highly of his leadership. Uh, Lincoln in. We heard about him, you know, playing overseas in what was it, the uh, the Worlds. Uh, he had a really good world, and uh, again, I say, uh, and EA Sports hates him because he's got like a sixty <laughs> as far as his uh, rating goes. There, um, 
Soderlin. I mean, we've talked about Soderlin a lot, and I know Mario will too, but uh, we were really impressed with him when he came over when he was first drafted. Kind of looked like a, uh, you know, a smaller, gritty center type player. And uh, we were kind of impressed with, you know, what we saw of him. But he hasn't really grown as a player. He kind of is faded into the background. He's okay. He's slick. He's got nice hands, but you know, well, we'll see this year what he does in the AHL and, and Fortin, I actually think he may have um, been a little better. You know, he, he got some time with the Blackhawks last year and I didn't know if necessarily after his injury, if he was going to be able to come back and do that. Um, so I don't know, you know, he's another kind of guy that's like, you know, on the cusp of, he could play a little bit in the NHL. He could score a couple goals, but I don't know that his uh, his future is full time in the NHL. But uh, that's as far as those players go. That's all I have to say. Anyone else want to jump in? Yeah, one quick thing on that. Um, you mentioned something really good right there at the end gate. Um, a lot of these guys um, would fall into the category of of players that people on our panel think can be NHL players, but just not necessarily in Chicago. Um, there are 13 guys on this list, and with the tier being bottom six forwards, third-pairing defensemen, and a fringe goalie, obviously 13 guys cannot all fit into that role on one NHL team. Um, so again, just to reiterate, this is our assessment of where the, the player is and what their potential is, not necessarily what it is with the Chicago Blackhawks. Cool. All right, who wants to jump in? Yeah. I guess I'll, uh-huh. I, I, can, I can jump in here and uh, uh, talk a little bit about some of the guys from, from Rockford and that are going to be in Rockford. Um, you know, already mentioned down here is Mackenzie Hentwistle. Um, pretty, pretty impressed with him, um, given where he's at right now in his career and just kind of the his ability that he's you know he's talked about embracing the fact that he's kind of going to be that role playing forward you know kind of going to be focusing on more of a of two-way game than than anything else and um you know i think this summer he's shown a a little bit of of pop in his shot which is great to see um and just has has a pretty good compete level and he's he's got good size so it's just uh, at at the pro level, how how is his speed going to translate, and how's he going to be able to to keep up with everything? Um, I think he's I think he's got a a pretty good future. For me personally, I think he has a good future with this organization. Um, you know, Highmore, Lankin, and Gilbert guys that have you know spent some time in in Rockford. Um, you know, Highmore I think would have been with Chicago last year had he not blown out his shoulder early on in the year. Um, so, uh, excited to see what he does when he, you know, bounces back this year. Um, Gilbert, I've been really impressed with, I think he has a shot with the Blackhawks organization to, to get some NHL time, um, very soon, you know, potentially this season. Um, you know, he's got, uh, you know, he's got some, some physicality to his game that, you know, it can overshadow his skill, but his development, um, offensively last year really separated him uh from the rest of the pack and um you know i i I think he'll get you know some top minutes in rockford this year and um you know tim sorlin uh oh there it is where where do you where do you start (laughs) um you know it was a it was a cold day on january 23rd 1998 in sweden and 
Um, <laughs> you know, Tim Soderlund graced graced the earth. Oh, no, I, Let's get at her. <laughs> he uh, he's he's got a lot of you know physical tools for being undersized. Um, he has a high motor, a lot a lot of speed to his game, which is great. Um, it's just kind of putting it all together in a consistent manner. Um, he really popped off. I believe it was two years ago at the World Juniors, and you know he was getting comparisons to uh, potentially, you know, be a, a, a Victor Arvidsson uh, type of player. Which, you know, if he turned out to be that, that would be tremendous. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he how he translates to North America this year. Um, and uh, you know, hope his English is is pretty good because I'm going to want to talk to him after every game. So we'll uh, we'll see how he go from there. Ron, was that you that was in there that uh, was trying to get in? Yeah, I, um, I I feel like I have to at least put myself out there, and I can be shamed for it, and I'll live with it. But I had I had Josiah Slavin as a two. Um, wow. Yeah, Eric, I, I think you that must, was probably you probably <laughs> the most optimistic one um, by far. But I just I don't know. There was something about watching him in that prospect scrimmage that. You know, I get it. He was playing with, you know, some skilled guys and everything. But, I mean, you know, he, he just – he found a way to score goals. And I think he's just – I think he's got such a good opportunity potentially to, you know, turn into something that is going to surprise everybody and could be that late-round gem uh, that the Blackhawks find. Um, obviously, he's going to be uh, in Aaron's neck of the woods and, and committing to into college now. And uh, But he was a guy I was able to cover last year in the USHL. Uh, Mackenzie Entwistle is another guy that I covered last year. I, I agree with everything that Mario said. I think just wanted to reiterate that I agree wholeheartedly there. Um, and I'm, I'm really looking forward this year to, to covering Michael Tepley. I think he's, um, I, you know, he's already scored his first goal, uh, with the now Winnipeg ice, formerly the, uh, Kootenai ice. Um, and I think he, you know, he's going to be interesting. I mean, I, you know, I think we all saw it in that prospect scrimmage of him just not remember how to skate on a breakaway. But I think (laughs) if he, if he gets used to the North American ice, he could be a very interesting uh, pick for the Hawks from this draft. So I'm excited to see what he does and and just kind of how he develops this year on a North American ice. Yeah. Just to to reiterate on that, where he, uh, he skated, he stopped skating, stopped moving his feet and he just glided in on a breakaway and uh, got caught from behind. By Kirby Doc. Yeah, by Kirby Doc. You got you, you done with that, or you uh, you got more to say? Nope, I'm done. Okay, cool. Aaron, anything? Yeah, I think I might be higher on Tier 4 than I am Tier 3, and I know that's not um, what a lot of people agreed with. I think a lot of my picks were changed by somebody who, you know, put this whole thing together. Eric. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I was pretty down Nailed on it. this whole prospect pool. I think I brought the, the average down quite a bit, and we had to alter it, or I had to concede to higher picks. But the, the tier that's probably my favorite is this one. Um, I got to the cover, Evan Barrett, um, saw a little bit of Josiah Slavin, um, Highmore I want to touch on in a second, um, and then we've seen a little bit of Silverlin in 14. But, yeah, I mean, I think Evan Barrett scoring 40-plus points in 30-some games 
Uh, he's playing on the best, one of the best lines in hockey for Penn State. It's going to be super entertaining. I think they can really go go deep in the Frozen Four this year and get past that first round. But it just depends on their draw. But definitely going to pay attention to him, especially once he gets. He should be good to go for the for the first weekend. I think they play Sacred Heart, so he should be healthy. I know he didn't skate at a uh, prospect camp, but yeah, I, I know Ron said he was high on Josiah Slavin, and I'm just going to say that that. Um, Colorado College Tigers team is so young. Um, they actually have a sophomore captain, and it's like I think it's the first time it's happened. Maybe, maybe I could be wrong, but um, super young team, and Mike Havlin's getting all of his uh, his own recruits finally rolling in now instead of taking over for somebody else's team. So, um, yeah, they're going to be really entertaining to watch, and I think Slavin's going to immediately get power play time. He's a big body. He's I hope he gets top six minutes. But, yeah, watching him play against Ian Mitchell is going to be a real treat. Um, and then Dennis Gilbert, I, I think he's got a place somewhere with the Hawks. I think he just m- maybe needs another full season um, within the AHL. But that's kind of to be determined. And then I, I was really – I know you guys were uh, Gate and JJ, I'm pretty sure. Big Highmore guys. Um, John is I, I a real big Highmore guy. John, yeah. yeah. I just don't understand. Like, I know he had some injuries – but that's kind of like the guy you want as a third, fourth line winger, just high motor, you know, nose for the puck. And it seems like he, he can't do anything more in the AHL. So I hope he gets some more games at the NHL level. But yeah, a lot, a lot of guys in this, in this tier that are, uh, I'm really excited about. You done messed up, A.A. Ron! <laughs> uh, Juliana, you got anything on this, this tier? Um, I mean, I'm going to talk a lot the next year, so I think yeah. I'll skip out on this one. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. The Evan Barrett will be interesting. Uh, we did talk to the guy from Penn state last year about Evan Barrett when they were just slaying everybody. So that's going to be real interesting to see what, what he can actually turn out to be. If he can actually be an NHL type player or if, you know, he's just going to be one of those scrappers in the AHL. Uh, I'm not huge on Sorella. Uh, I don't know. Just to me, I, I get this weird feeling that there's, something not going on between the ears uh, that the Blackhawks may not like. They don't like head cases. And if he was complaining a lot in Carolina um, that he didn't like his position or he didn't like where he was playing, uh, the Blackhawks may turn on him. But then again, the same thing could happen with Alex Nylander. So, you know, it's kind of the same case to a lesser degree. Um, And John Quenville, I'm not really a, huge John Quenville guy. I don't see what he's necessarily going to do. Uh, I don't know that he's good enough to play in the NHL. He may be one of those guys that's, uh, you know, a quadruple A guy where he, he's pretty good in the uh, AHL, but never could put it together in the NHL. Um, I guess we'll see. John Hayden. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Kind of a John Hayden. I, I Honestly, I don't even think of John Quenville as much as I like John Hayden. I actually like John Hayden a little bit. Um, just, but, uh, I am, I am thinking that like Highmore and Fortin are kind of in the same mold as far as those fast guys that can, you know, high motor, uh, I have a notes for the puck. They just, uh, maybe need a little more meat on their bones. Uh, like McKenzie and whistle. He's, he seems to have enough to be able to lend to everybody. Uh, anyone else got anything to say on tier four? Uh, I'll just jump in real quick. Okay. Um, one thing we kind of touched on a couple times already, but 
again, another reason um, for why Evan Barrett is in Tier 4 instead of Tier 3, um, since he was split right down the middle. Um, pretty much exactly the same as the reasoning for Brandon Hagel, um, is that we just wanted to really see if he can actually translate that production. Um, and a lot of us didn't necessarily think that he would. Um, there's been a lot of a lot of noise on on the Twitterverse about um, you know that he'll be the next big forward prospect, um, obviously outside of Doc. But um, I think that's just a little premature, um, given the line that he was playing on and and the style that they played. Um, yeah, the same thing so was said about Dylan Sakura too, right? And look where he look right. what he's doing. Right. Exactly. Um, so that's why he ended up in this tier. Um, and then touching on Josiah Slavin, of course. Um, oh, no. Well, oh, for Jesus. the record. <laughs> Go ahead. Like, no. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> um, some of you, some listeners might know I'm a big Jacob Slavin guy. Um, that is because I know Jacob Slavin. I do not know Josiah Slavin. So just to set that straight. Um, but anyway, um, I just wanted to read, uh, since Ray is not here, he had a really good comment that I think, um, summarizes Josiah's game really well. Yeah. And he's seen Uh, more, more of him than probably any of us have. So yeah, go ahead. Right. Right. Yeah. Ray said, high IQ knows the game can be a dirty area player in the bottom six. Also has some skill on the power play. A lot of tweeners make it or don't make it for between the ear purposes. He gets it. Yeah, what what I noticed one thing about him is he's really tall and thin. So if you can put a little bit of uh, you know meat on his bones for the you know getting bounced around in the NHL, but um, he skates really well. He like he has these long strides, which helps his his skating speed. Uh, that really impressed me, and I like the way he wheels around the circles too with the puck. So um, you know, if he does anything of quality in the organization, really, he's kind of a steal because. Uh, where he was picked in the draft, like those guys don't usually make it. So, yeah, and he was captain uh, with Lincoln before getting dealt to Chicago in the USHL. Yeah. So usually the guys who uh, don't have the you know between the years problems uh, are the captains. Yeah. Good point. Good point. So can we close out tier four? Are we good, everybody. Good. Yeah. Okay. Speak now or forever hold your peace. All right. Juliana is going to take tier three. These are the middle six forwards, uh, second pairing defensemen, backup goalie types. So just that uh, that next level down uh, or next level up. So take it away. Yeah, so I'm going to declare this tier the Boston University tier. Uh, there are three players in this tier who have either attended Boston University or are about to or are currently attending BU. So in this tier, we have Alex Vlasic, Alex Nylander, Dominic Kubalik, who was, we obviously need to discuss, as we have seen a lot of him so far, Philip Kurashev, Chad Chris, and there were a lot of differing opinions on Chad Chris, as well as Jake Wise and Alexi Gravel, who Aaron did not know enough of. So um, <laughs> I'm sure he gave him a five because he didn't know enough about him. But anyway... Uh, I think we all, for the most part, this is probably the tier that we had a lot of discussion going on with. A lot of us moved our rankings kind of all over the place. And I think one prospect that was really 
kind of controversial in a way was Jake Wise. I'm really high on Jake Wise, but that's also because I do go to BU, so I see him a lot. Um, there were some people who, who thought that, you know, he could definitely be like a middle six forward. There were some who thought that he could be a little bit lower. <clears throat> Wrong. Um, but, <laughs> you know, overall, I think this is definitely the tier with the most discussion. I think Pad Chris is an interesting prospect. Um, to me, he's either on it or he's not. He impressed me a little bit during training camp and he impressed me somewhat during the rookie tournament, but in, Traver- in Traverse City. But other than that, he, he's either on or he's off. There's really no in between for him. You're either noticing his glaring mistakes or he's moving the puck really well. And then I think with um, Dominic Kubalik, like we mentioned way earlier in the podcast, we've obviously been very impressed with him, with him so far during training camp. And I think we have a lot of good opinions about him, but we'll obviously discuss that. Yeah, these are all good quality players. I, I like I like what I've seen out of Kubalik. Um, I like what I see out of Gravel. Uh, I haven't seen enough of Jake Wise to know. I was impressed with at least the few AHL games that Chad Chris played last year, he actually kind of jumped right in and contributed towards the end of the season. Um, uh, Nylander, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of, uh, I, there's some promise in there, but uh, I'm cautious, it's cautious optimism on him. And Vlasic, I love his size. I think he, you know, down the road could be that big, that next big defenseman for the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, Kershev is another guy I haven't seen enough of to really know, but uh, go ahead, jump in, guys. Not all of us at once. Yeah, no kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll I'll talk a little bit about some of these guys here. Um, yes, starting off with Chad Chris, like you just mentioned, Gate. He came in and played. I think it was about nine or ten games with the Ice Hogs um, late last season. Uh, and yeah, like right away was thrown into pretty much every situation. He got a lot of, uh, you know, meaningful minutes as the team was, um, fighting for a playoff spot down the stretch and really, I mean, stepped right in and, and, and made an impact. Um, so I, I'm, I'm hoping for, for more of that from him in Rockford this year. Um, he's always been one of those, uh, defenders that's like, you know, looks like looks like he has everything put together, and then you know, just it doesn't it doesn't translate to you know to the game situations. You know, he he looked really good in camps that we watched him at, and then you know we we would you know hear from you know the the fans of BU and the people that watched him on a on an everyday basis that you know there was like Juliana said like hot and cold. Um, so I'm hoping for more consistency out of him in, in Rockford this year, and he'll again get uh, a lot of high end minutes. Um, Vlasic, uh, like you said, Gate, I, I, I'm, I'm on the same boat, uh, with him. Um, I think, you know, he, he can get some experience at the college level and, you know, two to three years, he might, you know, jump right into the NHL and, um, you know, he's, he's got the, the, the body frame that, you know, you, you kind of envy for a, for a defenseman, for a big defenseman. Um, his biggest thing is his feet. And from what I saw, uh, was that a joke? Camp. <laughs> his biggest he, thing is his feet. Yeah, his phrasing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, his uh, his biggest his biggest question mark, uh, you know, was was his speed and skating ability. But um, you know, to me, it didn't it didn't look like it was going to be too much of an issue. 
Um, obviously, his time in college can can improve that. Um, touchdown Kubalik and, and Nylander again. Um, I'm, I'm less skeptical about Nylander than I originally was after the the initial trade to acquire him. Um, you know, I, I think given the right opportunity, he might be able to to flourish with with Chicago, and and that would be that would be great. Um, you know, Kubalik again, like I said earlier um looks like he's going to be able to have the the ability to stay and, and make an impact with the blackhawks which would be you know another another good european find um Kurashev, he is my dark horse this year to uh lead the ice hogs in scoring um i really like his i really like his game um he's an, an offensive threat from from a lot of different uh a lot of different areas and um you know, Rockford this year as a whole is going to be young, um, but I think he's going to be one of the guys that that they're going to lean on uh, in a lot of situations. Um, and then Gravel. <laughs> I had to give the drama for the hot take. No, I I, I like it. Um, and quickly on Gravel, um, he impressed last year with uh, with Halifax had had his best year in in the queue. Um, you know, postseason run was great. I think if he does does that again. Um, he might be able to, uh, to to make some noise at the pro level next year. So um, hopefully uh, hopefully he, he continues on his trajectory. Um, I think from this tier up, there's a lot to love um, about the, the Blackhawks system. So, uh, yeah, that's what, that's what I got. Cool. Ryan? Yeah, in natural fashion, I was much higher on some of these guys than everybody else. Um, I agree though with, with Kubalik, I think everybody going in, I feel like there was just a lot of uncertainty with what he was going to be. Um, I think my initial thoughts, and I know, I think everybody had shared at some point in our group chat, um, was that, you know, if he could be even a Dominic Cahoon contributor, that would have been a success. But after seeing that shot in the preseason, I think he is probably going to be more than that. Um, that said, I had Alex Nylander as a two. Uh, I also had Alex Vlasic as a two, and I had um, – I think I was the only one that officially had Alexis Gravel out the gate as a three. Um, you know, Gravel was really good in the queue covering him last year. Uh, consistently was on my radar just because of how well he would play. It was, you know, three games a week he would be, you know, starting two of them, and he would go 2-0, and oh, and one of them was a shutout, and the other he only gave up a goal on 39 shots. I mean, that just seemed to be the consistent – um, stat line for him up in the queue and uh, just echoing what Mario said. He was really good in the playoffs for them. And I think he's got a real potential to be a nice, you know, backup goaltender, potentially a fringe starter um, in, in the NHL someday. So, uh, but I am also a big fan of Kurashev. Um, you know, again, another guy I got the cover last year in the queue. He led um, the Ramparts in, in points by, quite a bit i mean he was by far and beyond their best player and then on the national stage uh during the world uh juniors he i mean he stood out probably more than any other player in 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 the entire tournament so um yeah i i will uh, mario you you said it really well there's a lot to be excited about with the blackhawks system from this tier upward um just because really i think all these guys have a, a shot at contributing at the uh nhl level within probably the next year or so let me just throw this out there to all the panelists evan barrett or jake wise who has the higher ceiling who who do we think jake wise. <laughs> okay jake jake wise 
uh, I got to go with Barrett. I, I, I've seen more of him, and yeah. I, I mean, maybe this year we'll, we'll swing it more towards Wise's way, but I got to go Barrett from what I've seen. Anyone else got a take? Yeah, I, I just don't know anything about Jake Wise. There's not a lot of tape on him, so I don't know how you can make that decision. So I'm going Barrett. Okay, split down the middle. I don't know and enough you, this, about Jake This Wise. is exactly how this, this tier prospect work uh, system worked. We, we, we were all on opposite ends, and it had to come to a consensus. And well, you guys did a great job with it. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else, uh, Aaron? You got anything more you want to say on tier three before we close this? Yeah, one? yeah. Prospect camp this year, uh, I just wasn't that impressed with uh, Vlasic's foot speed, and I noticed that like he did like jumping into the play. So he would, I mean, I know it's it was probably uh, just a scrimmage, but he would kind of pinch in and take the puck below the goal line, kind of like Boquist does, and then the puck would be going the other way, and he'd be miles back. So. Um, I know at BU he's probably going to improve. He's a super young player, but seems like he's physical. Um, hopefully he can get a nice shot from the point. But, yeah, I just wasn't crazy about him right right off the bat and from what we saw at prospect camp. And then just one quick thing on Chad Chris. So I've watched him three years at BU, and he's kind of a highlight machine when he wants to be. Um, last year BU wasn't that great. They had a down year. Um but it's the guy's a really good hockey player. I mean, he's got great hockey sense. And I think if he stays in the system, he can make the Blackhawks roster. Um, and I, I know he kind of gets buried behind a lot of the uh, Boquist and Bodan and Mitchell and things like that. But I, I think we're underrating this, this player. And I think he'll have a really good year in Rockford. Um, I just want to go off what Aaron said because I completely agree. I think the one thing that really kind of held him back, if there was anything that held him back besides he had a little bit of injury trouble his sophomore year, um, the one thing that did hold him back was that he didn't really have good defensive partners all throughout his years at BU. Dante Fabro primarily was on the top pairing with David Ference, and overall Chad Chris was just kind of like going up in between from like the second pairing to the third pairing, wasn't really getting much... Um, movement he was on the power play sometimes I believe he kind of was on the second power play unit because Faber was obviously on the first but I just think that there are obviously some issues with him but overall there's a lot more upside than there is downside so Chad Chris I've always been impressed when I've watched him um, he does have a lot like Aaron said a lot of the plays that he makes it's a highlight real play everything that he does is flashy which I think is something that a lot of people are going to notice about him is that he's just a flashy guy. And I really do think that he's right below, you know, Nicholas Bowden and Ian Mitchell on the um, defensive prospect, I guess, the list that we have going on with the Blackhawks right now. And it is very, you know, packed at the moment with defensive prospects, but I do think that he can crack the lineup. If not, if not this year, then definitely next year. Eric, you got anything you want to say? I don't think you got that. Um, yeah, I'll jump on the Jake Wise train real quick. Um, I know that um, he was also one of the guys that in the whole series we were split on um, uh, right down the middle. Um, and some of us are really high on him and some of us don't really know much about him. Um, I know I'm really curious to see 
um, what, what he's able to do this season. Um, hopefully he can be healthy because that's been a big issue for him over the last couple of years. Um, but what I do know is that when we were watching him in camp a couple summers ago, Gate, that he just stood out so much because of how quick he was, um, not, not only on his feet, but with the puck and making decisions. Um, and, I mean, I remember even doing my uh, draft prospect profiles back then um, that a lot of people considered him as a potential first-round pick that year. Um, so it'll just be really interesting to see how he continues to develop throughout his time at BU. Um, hopefully he can stay healthy and, and really turn into something because it looks like he uh, could become something if he has that health uh, long-term. And I think um, his skill set is definitely exciting, um, at least at this stage. Um, whether or not he'll be able to transition that to a pro-style game, we'll see. But uh, I just wanted to throw in my two cents about him since we didn't talk about him all that much. Cool. Uh, can we wrap this one up then? And let Mario take the uh, take the reins. We good? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. All right. So tiers one and two, we're going to combine them together because there's very few players in these tiers. Um, and the reason there are very few players in these tiers is because these are top six forwards, number two or three defensemen, starting goalies. Or in tier one, there's first line forwards, top pairing defensemen, and elite goalies. Now, some of you probably already know who the people are going to be in here, but we're going to talk about them anyway. So Mario's going to take it away. Yeah, so uh, tier two, the top six forward, two, three defensemen, starting goalie tier. Uh, just two guys in this one, both defensemen, Ian Mitchell and Nicholas Podan. Um, you know, these are two guys that, I think a lot of people are putting some heavy, <clears throat> heavy consideration into for, you know, future, uh, Blackhawks defensive core cor cornerstones, um, Mitchell more so than Bodan. Um, I think, uh, you know, Aaron can, can kind of speak a little bit more to this since he's, um, you know, he's seen Mitchell the most out of all of us and, and would have a little bit more insight specifically to this, but I mean, he's, he's, the storyline this off season was, you know, is, is, is Ian Mitchell going to play this year with the Blackhawks or, you know, is, is, you know, him going back to, to DU, is that, you know, spurning the Blackhawks at all? And, you know, it was this whole soap opera and you know, he's going back, he's going to be captain. And, you know, as, as long as DU's season finishes before Chicago's does, you know, there's probably uh, a chance he'll, he'll play, you know, with the big club towards the end of the year. Um, and, and, you know, coaches talked about him potentially even being able to jump into the NHL this year. So it, it really speaks to his, to his skill. And, um, you know, I, I think he definitely has a, a bright future for Chicago. Um, Aaron, if you want to jump in on, on Mitchell here, you are the resident uh, Ian Mitchell expert. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think uh, Ian Mitchell, his history, I mean, he's super decorated, um, great hockey family, super determined kid. And I think what kind of sets him apart from a lot of the other prospects is his leadership skills. Um, he's going to be captain of the Pioneers this year. Um, he's, he's a guy who is very unselfish. Um, he wants the team. He just cares about winning. He's not like a personal accolades type person, but – 
Um, you know, this guy is setting his goals really, really high. Um, he changed up his uh, his nutrition and how he trains in the offseason. The guy's ready to become a pro. Yeah, I wasn't really sold. I think that was the Chicago media saying that he was going to turn pro um, after his sophomore year. I, I think he just said, you know, what's the rush? I don't really need to be in Rockford. Um, I can play another year at school and have another shot at a Frozen Four championship. So, uh, I mean, I, I can talk all day about his game. Um, great on the power play. Great first pass defenseman. Just extremely high hockey IQ. I mean, we're talking like skills like Nicholas Jalmerson in his own zone. I'm not saying shot blocking, but getting to the puck fast, creating turnovers, and and getting the puck to the forwards um, in transition, kind of in that sneaky way of getting the puck loose and, and transitioning. So this is the player that everybody is looking forward to seeing, um, and I'm sure I'll be getting a lot of tape on him and putting it out on Twitter uh, this year because Denver is going to have another dominant season. And, yeah, and Bodan, too, is – He's kind of impressed me because I didn't know much about him when they when they brought him in, and I, I also did not get to see a lot of tape on him last year. Uh, but what I've seen him in, in camp and uh, the prospect tournament, like he has been that he's been that settling two way defenseman that's played with Boquist and uh, you know kind of held down the back end while Boquist you know was you know behind the opponent's net and uh, doing all kinds of crazy stuff and you know being being the Chad Chris flashy highlight reel type guy, but on, but Ann doesn't really seem like that guy. He just seems like a solid two way guy. And uh, so I was kind of impressed with him. Uh, so anyone else want to jump in on tier two? Go ahead. Uh, yeah. I just wanted to touch on yeah. Bodan a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, he kind of becomes an afterthought, even as a, a first round pick, you know, he was 27th overall, but he was in, you know, the, the same round and same draft class as Adam Boquist. And, you know, I feel like the, the, you know, fan community is, you know, latched onto Boquist and for, for good reason. Um, but Bodan ultimately ends up becoming kind of an afterthought. And, you know, you don't really think of a, a guy in, in his, you know, in his draft year and then, you know, his, his final season in juniors, um, comparatively or, uh, combined rather, uh, those two seasons over point per game player as a defenseman. Um, you know, his, his offensive skill was, was his selling point in his draft year and, uh, his second year, um, or his, his year after rather, uh, with Drummondville, you know, you, you really saw the, the attention that he put into, um, you know, working on his, on his defensive game and, um, I think that was probably something directed from the Blackhawks that, you know, he needed to work on. So I think, uh, you know, he's, he's going to play a, a good, a good amount of time with, with Rockford. He's going to get some solid minutes this, this year. And, um, you know, I think he's got a, he's got a bright upside as kind of a, a guy who could, you know, be sold as an offensive, offensive minded guy, but, you know, can, can hold his own defensively as well. Ron, how about you? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I was, again, very fortunate to have covered Boakfast and Bowden last year because they were both up in the CHL. And um, just for quick starters, and I'll just kind of leave this open-ended, I am the only person that put Ian Mitchell as a one 
not even Mr. Goldschmidt himself, but Ian Mitchell is the one. So, um, nonetheless, you know, I think I think Mitchell is going to be an incredibly special player. I think uh, we all know, you know, Bokvist is going to be an incredible talent. I think if he just continues to shore up his game in his own end with that offensive upside, he's just going to be the real deal. Uh, Kirby Doc, same thing. I mean, I feel like, you know, everybody's gotten a good idea uh, of, uh, you know, what he's going to become and, and, and who he can be. You know, but Bowden was a guy that I was very impressed with covering, you know, when he was up with the Volta Gears uh, in Drummondville last year. Because, you know, you, you really, just even looking statistically, you could see that there must have been something to his game that happened where he became an elite defender because his plus minus skyrocketed. I, you know, I forget the exact numbers, but I think he went from a career minus guy in Drummondville. I think he was like a plus 60 last year um, just because of how good he was. And and I was told by uh, Mr. Eric that I have to read my analysis on Bowden. So I'm going to go ahead yeah, and go ahead. quickly spot it off. But I said Bowden reengineered himself into exactly what the Blackhawks need, a two-way defenseman. Entering the draft, Bowden was a clear-cut offensive-minded blue, blue liner. But after joining an organization with players such as Ian Mitchell, Adam Bokvist, and Henry Yokiharu, who has now been shipped out, there was doubt that Bowden could have could have been the one shipped. He now looks like the defenseman that every team needs but no one talks about, a quiet and a positive way player who makes the smart play before the flashy play. I'd be happy if he can become a Seabrook to Bokvist's Keith. So, you know, if he if he turns into that, you know, type of player where he can just, you know, be the stay-at-home, does-everything-right type defenseman, you know, I think Bowman got a lot of backlash initially when he took Bowdoin, and it seems like now that he's kind of re-engineered himself that that could end up being the pick that everybody goes, wow, you know, we got, we got Bowdoin for – for Ryan Hartman, you know, I mean, that could could really be quite the move for for Bowman and kind of a feather in his cap. Minnesota wild legend, Ryan Hartman. <laughs> Dad's going to have to paint the bar another color. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it! All right, well, you did mention Bolquist. Uh, Juliana, you got anything to say about uh, Mitchell or Bowden? You want to jump? You, you don't have to jump in, but I want to give you the opportunity. Um, I, I agree with everything that Ron said on, um, Bowden. I absolutely love him. I was very happy when we drafted him because obviously it was just an offensive defenseman that we could add to the list. But since then, he's really, me, like Ron has said with his two way game, I think he's a lot better defensively now than he was in the past. And he really impressed me, um, during, uh, the Traverse tournament with how he played and I just overall think that he's a really good prospect. Same with Mitchell. I have always been impressed by Mitchell. I watch him all the time, obviously, watching college hockey. And there's nothing about him that doesn't, like, not impress me. He's so good overall. He's very calm and reserved when he's playing. But he also just knows how to navigate the ice so well. And I really think that both of these guys will probably end up being on the team next year, the year after. But definitely somewhere in the near future. Cool. All right. So Margo's going to take us home with tier one. I think everyone knows who these people are going to be, but we're going to talk about it a little bit anyway. Yeah. So tier one, obviously the, the top of the, uh, the list here, um, Adam Boquist and Kirby doc, the 
uh, most recent first uh, top overall picks for the uh, the Blackhawks in the last two years. Um, both guys still currently in uh, in training camp. Um, Kirby Doc still with the team, even though he's uh, been dealing with uh, concussion issues. Um, and Adam Boquist uh, healthy and with the team. Um, you know these guys are. You know there's there's reasons that they were both with picked within the, the top 10 in the last two years um you know their their offensive potentials are are, are pretty uh impressive um Boquist from from the a defenseman standpoint has uh you know an offensive game that a lot of nhl players uh could envy um the biggest thing with him is is going to be making sure that his defensive responsibilities and um you know being able to to play in his own end can catch up to you know the the pretty much seems like the 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 second nature abilities he has with the puck on his stick in the in the offensive zone um you know he's he's provided some some highlight worthy uh plays through prospect camp and through training camp in the preseason so far um ultimately if uh if if you read my my article on him uh recently on on the the site um i think the best move for chicago right now with boquest is to put him in rockford um I think getting him to, you know, play at the professional level um, in the AHL will give him the ability to, you know, learn from those rookie mistakes that are inevitable um, with less of a detriment to, you know, the Blackhawks as a whole, because, uh, you know, obviously the, the, the minor leagues is, is a development league ultimately. And, um, you know, you want the best, well-rounded players being able to come out of that system and go up and help the Blackhawks as much as possible. I think for Boquist, that's probably the best route. Um, it could be, you know, a full season in Rockford. It could be a month. You know, we, we, we don't really know how much time exactly he'll need, um, or be given, you know, given any, any kind of, you know, roster circumstances with the Blackhawks, but I think he's best served starting with Rockford, um, you know, getting his professional legs there. And, uh, you know, I think best case scenario is he'll be a replacement to Eric Gustafson, either at the trade deadline this year or um, in the off season. I think Gustafson's on his way to a, a big contract, whether it's deserved or not. That's, that's everyone's opinion, but um, I don't think he's going to get it with Chicago. And I think the Blackhawks are probably hoping that Boquist is going to be able to step in at some point, replace replace that position and and replace those minutes I kind of, uh, and then we we can get into doc yeah i kind of feel the same way about gustafson as i kind of did with brian bickle at the time like yeah sure he probably earned the the money but earned it with another team like i don't i, don't, I just don't think blackhawks with the way they're currently set up and the way they're the prospect structure is set up that uh eric gustafson can really hang around he's holding you know he's just kind of holding the spot for boquist to finally you know make that next jump. Um, not as far as Boquist goes, uh, I know that we've all uh, talked about Boquist being like, you know, that Eric Carlson type player. And that's what he was sold as. But honestly, watching him play, he looks more to me like a small version of Brent Burns. Mm. He's all over the ice. He's got super talent. He's, you know, talents off the charts. He could probably play any position like He's just that talented. The problem is, is you got to be able to reel him in enough 
or at least have a, a defensive partner there with him that can help cover for him. I don't hate that he's as talented as he is, but like I don't see Eric Carlson doing making some of the plays like the goal that Boca scored in the preseason. You're circling behind the net like that and sniping the goalie from, you know, just barely the goal line extended. Like, you don't see a lot of Eric Carlson doing that, but you do see Brent Burns all over the place doing stuff like that. So while not in a physical manner, I think the style of play in the offensive zone and being kind of a wild, wild stallion type player, I think that's what, what I see in Eric in Adam Boquist. And, and, I, and I don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, Kirby Doc, I mean, you know, he's a top, top five, top three debatable prospect. Um, he's big, he's talented, he's got quick hands. Like, he's going to be a good player in the NHL. So, um, anyone else want to jump in? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I actually was talking with a couple of buddies, and we were, we were going through when the Hawks had won the – gotten a lottery position, and was like, all right, who do you guys like? And they were all, you know, oh, Cousins is, is a good one. And, you know, Byram was obviously a clear consensus. Um, but I really liked Kirby Doc. And I think it was – I think what attracted me to him is he brings a lot that the Hawks lack. And from that aspect, obviously the size first and foremost is is amazing. Um, but, you know, he he also has really good hands – a nice shot for as big as he is. And then on top of that, if you watch his highlight film, he scores all his goals from the dirty areas. He's in the slot. He's in front of the net. He's in traffic. He's not afraid to go to those dirty areas. And, you know, the biggest complaint about the Chicago Blackhawks offense for the last however many years has been, you know, that the Hawks are always a perimeter team. And now they have a guy who, is probably going to be a huge part of this team for the next 10 years that is willing to go into those dirty areas and score. So I'm, I'm very, very high on doc. Um, I actually at that time with my buddies and we have it on a recording. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was hyping doc up, so I was pretty excited when they did pick him. I was like, wow, I actually felt smart. Um, but that said, yeah, I mean, with Bokefist, there's no doubt he's going to be special. Um, I, I like your kind of your wild stallion, wild horse kind of comparison. Um, but it'll all be great because, you know, Bowden will be his D partner and mm-hmm. he'll be his Keith to his Seabrook and we'll all be happy. And Bokefist is just going to go out there and score nasty goals all over the ice. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I just want, hope he's, yeah, I didn't want it to be, we've seen so far. Yeah, I didn't want it to be a negative. I just wanted to say that's kind of how more I look at him is is I've seen him play more playing, you know, in, in the past two training camps. Uh, you know, I, I don't see an Eric Carlson in him. I see more of a Brent Burns in him. And it's not a bad thing. Brent Burns won the, you know, the Norris Trophy. He's a good player. And uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, Gay, and- what you're saying is that Adam Boquist should play forward. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Just move him yeah, up there. Him just, and we just, can put Gustafson up there too. Yeah, just one quick note too with Boquist. Uh, something that I got to notice covering him when he was in London last year. Uh, he didn't play the point all that much. If you actually saw where he would set up, he kind of set up in that, you know, on the face-off dots kind of rover, um, you know, take the big slap shot type guy. So um, I think that was kind of interesting to note that he wasn't necessarily leading the power play from the point. Uh, but he was definitely, you know, taking most, if not all, the shots at times for London on their power plays. Right. It's from kind of like the Ovechkin spot. 
Yeah, yeah, but he he would play it on the offside, so it was really weird. He would play down on that really what would have been the right wing uh, rather than the left wing. I mean, he he would sometimes rotate over onto the left side, but um, there was a good amount of times where he would be playing, um, you know, the kind of the right wing side of the power play um, and getting off some really nice shots. Um, so it was good. Yeah. All right. Who else wants to talk about Bokris and Doc? Me. Go. Um, Adam Boquist. So the <laughs> the probably the best thing that happened to Adam Boquist is Joel Quinville leaving the Blackhawks because I'm sure he would have a stroke every time Adam Boquist had the puck on the goal line in the offensive zone. Um, I, I don't know how much patience Jeremy Collinson's going to have for that. I know he's a little bit more forward thinking than Quinville, but I just, yes, it does add some excitement to the Blackhawks offense and it throws a wrench in a lot of defensive plans for opponents, but it's just really hard for me to watch, you know, Boquist be behind the play and watching a forward like Dylan Sakura um, play defense on, on a rush that kills Uh me. And I know that, in the central, it's going to be really, really hard this year. And it's all going to be about positioning and tight games. I just don't know if the Blackhawks are ready to run that system yet. I mean, maybe they're transitioning and I'm not saying that him doing that is a bad thing because forwards have to cover, but I don't know if that's going to be toned down in Rockford um, or if that's the style they're going to run. Mario, what do you have to say about that? Uh, yeah, they're they're running the same system because they need because their their focus is to get guys ready to go up to Chicago. So whatever Chicago's running, Rockford's running. Um, and I think uh, Derek King is is um, he's spoken highly of of Boquist and um, you know his 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 quote when I when I spoke with him was uh, you know need to get the junior out of him, um, which I think is a is a great way to look at it and you know give him. Give him the you know the realization that things you can pull off in junior you're not going to be able to do at the pro level and I think if he grasps that and, and tunes his game to that um, I think that's going to set him up for success. Juliana, yeah. So I was someone who, as soon as the Blackhawks drafted Kirby Doc, had to kind of like go to Twitter and calm everybody down because I feel like everybody was freaking out because everyone really wanted either Bowen Byram or Alex Turcotte. You know, obviously, those were the two players that everybody thought were going to go three and four after um, Jack Hughes and Capocacco. But I was really impressed when I was watching film of him when I was coming up with my own scouting reports and all that kind of stuff. I really love the way that he plays the game. I think. Um, like we mentioned earlier, like like people mentioned earlier, he is exactly what the Blackhawks need. They really need another power forward on their team. And I think that's exactly what Kirby Doc is. He reminds me a lot of Rick Nash, um, which I think is a good thing. I hope he scores a little bit more than Rick Nash in the playoffs if the Blackhawks have, you know, keep making it there. But I do think that he is someone who can really change to really change the team in the next few years. And I really just love the way that he skates as well. I think for his size, he has an incredible skating ability. And he has seriously impressed me so far from when we drafted him until now. And same thing with Adam Boquist. Every single time that I watch him, I'm more and more impressed. Obviously, he needs to work a little bit more defensively. But overall, I think he's definitely going to become a staple on the back end for the Blackhawks. 
Yeah, and I don't want to talk too much about like him, you know, making the team or anything because it's, it's in the questions. So we'll wrap that up with uh, questions. Um, but anyone else got it, want to wrap anything up or anything more they want to say about this tier thing before we uh, get to the questions? This was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I had a good time. This, this is a, a good discussion too. So, all right, cool. I think we're going to wrap this up. We'll go into questions and then we'll wrap it up for the night. Um, so right into the first question, uh, brain sprain, uh, for the group, if I set an over under for the regular season games for Perlini is 41, does he go over or under? And then also anybody think that Winnipeg will be in the market for Connor Murphy? He seems redundant. And with the addition of Dehan and Mata, um, I say Perlini, I say over 41, uh, for Winnipeg, they're going to need something because they lost three defensemen in free agency. And then now, uh, Dustin Bufflin is debating, you know, uh, retiring so they could be down four of their six defensemen uh just you know since you know from last season so um i don't know if they're interested in Connor murphy they may or may not be but uh you know they could be interested in nicholas Baudin. i don't know um but uh they're gonna be interested in something because they're gonna if they don't want to bottom out this year and and i i might uh pick them to be to bottom out uh because with all their problems with rfas and defensemen and there's a lot of chaos going on up there. Um, anyone else want to jump in on the Perlini or Murphy thing? I, I'm going to agree with you, Gate. I think Perlini gets gets over 41. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say push on Perlini. I think he gets exactly 41 games. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I think with the Connor Murphy thing, I feel like the only reason the Hawks wouldn't explore that avenue is simply because they are a division rival, and why would you want to help out a division rival unless you can fleece them? So unless that could happen for Connor Murphy, I don't see him ending up in Winnipeg. Yeah, because he's not he's not uh, Marco Dano or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, the legend, Blackhawks go- legend. What's I'm up, going over on Perlini. What's that? I'm going over on Perlini. I yeah. I think they you know matched his offer for a reason. This guy is a scorer. Um, he's never been a playmaker. This guy wants to get out there and put the puck in the net. So I think he deserves to be on the first line more than Kajula Oblongata. That's just my opinion. No, interesting. Um, and the Connor Murphy thing, no, I, I think the Blackhawks are just going to stockpile depth, that same kind of defenseman. I mean, chip it out. But that's one thing Connor Murphy's – what I find in his game to not be compatible with the Blackhawks system is, is his output, um, not output, but his outlet passes. Like he's just so much of a chip it out type player and, and be physical in front of the net. But once he gets the puck, I mean, hopefully this year he's a lot quicker at making decisions and, and hitting the forwards in stride. Yeah. One thing that's interesting with, with this, you know, question about the, the jets and, and Murphy, I think an interdivision trade for you know, trying to help out a team that has a hole, I think is, is not very likely. Um, but what might be in the <laughs> realm of a possibility is, um, Winnipeg, maybe, you know, kind of seeing who might be coming through the waiver wire towards the end of the, of the preseason. And Chicago's going to have to make a choice between, uh, Dahlstrom and, uh, and Slater Cuckoo. So, um, you know, that might be an option that Winnipeg looks at if they don't go for a trade is, you know, grabbing a guy who has to go through waivers. But, um, yeah, I, I, that's 
that that might be a team that that ma- makes a uh a surprising you know dip in the standings is is winnipeg oh you mean like uh trading in our division like trading patrick king to the colorado avalanche yeah you're a big winner tonight you're a big winner who's the big winner here tonight at the casino Huh? Mikey, that's who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. <laughs> yeah, I'm leaving now. <laughs> All right, next question. Uh, Jake Martin, our boy Jake Martin. Where do you see the team finishing in the Central, above or below St. Louis, who caught lightning in a bottle and just acquired Justin Falk? Um, I added that part in. Or Colorado without Rantanen. Um, I, think they're a, I think they can be a, a wild card team. Uh, I don't think they're any better than that. Uh, Dallas is going to be good. They got a lot of good defensemen, but their forwards got slower, uh, you know, by picking up all those old guys. Uh, so I don't know how that's going to work out. Uh, they're kind of a, a wild card. I don't, I, I'm not a fan of the wild. I think they're going to, uh, and I think, uh, yeah. So, and I think Winnipeg may, may be that team that bottoms out because, uh, you know, all the chaos, it's kind of like when Colorado a couple of years ago and Patrick Wild left. Uh, and just basically left that, just decimated that team, and they didn't know where they, they didn't know what direction they were going in. That could be a lot. What ha- what happens this year, especially if uh, this line thing gets drawn out, and uh, uh, Connor Connor and line thing gets drawn out too long. Any That's people? Kyle Connor. Yeah, right. Uh, anyone else? Yeah, I, on that? I I could see Chicago flirting with a, a playoff spot for probably with within a wild card spot. Um, you know, I think Rantanen eventually gets, gets signed. And I think if Colorado knows what's best, they'll, they'll do something where that, you know, that'll favor them because they're, they're, you know, they're the, the, the sexy pick right now for coming out of the West. And I, I think it's for good reason. Um, they have a lot of good things going on and they've got, uh, they've got a lot of young talent that they can lock up and, and be a force for the next couple of years. And, um, I, th- I think, you know, Colorado and St. Louis are probably locks to finish above Chicago. Um, Nashville and Winnipeg, they're, you know, they're they're teetering there. I think the, the one team you can for sure uh, count Chicago ahead of is Minnesota. I think they're a train wreck. Um, so that's where I would put them. Nashville's another team. I'd love to see them just bottom out. Just, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, you know, even the Blues. I didn't even care the Blues won the won the Stanley Cup because I like a lot of players on their team. Nashville, I can't. I, I don't. I'm not a big Nashville guy. Juliana or uh, Ron, you got anything? Um, yeah, I would agree with what everybody said so far about the wild card spot. I think, um, you know, St. Louis kind of bolstering their back end. Although I didn't. I was saying this earlier when we were talking about the trade in their group chat, but didn't really understand the trade from St. Louis's perspective because they already were pretty much stacked on the right side with Prego, Petrangelo specifically. Um, And also they do have like a few good prospects coming up in the system, but I just don't really see them doing much worse than they did last year. I think they may step down a couple of points, but overall I don't think they're going to really take a step, take that much of a step back. And I think Colorado is going to be excellent this year. I think we're all forgetting about the fact that they got Nazem Kadri, who they really needed a lot of forward depth added to their team. And I think Kadri does exactly that. And he is the perfect um, center for that team specifically because they needed some center depth 
And I think obviously their defense is probably one of the their top four is probably going to end up being the best, maybe one, maybe the best in the NHL in the next few years. So I definitely the Blackhawks could probably squeak in with a wild card. And uh, you know it's crazy to me that the Stars even decided to sign Corey Perry because now he's injured again. I don't know why they took that gamble. I guess because he was cheap and an option for them, but they should have just stuck with Matt Zuccarello. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Ron, you got anything? Yeah, just I'll just quickly lay it out. Um, I think St. Louis, Nashville, and Colorado are your top three in this division. Um, I think Dallas is the number one wild card. I think the Hawks squeak in as the two wild card. And then I think the Winnipeg Jets and Minnesota Wild are your bottom feeders this year. I really think Winnipeg is going to take a huge step back. Um, who knows what's going on with Connor and with Line A right now. Um, you know, the Bufflin saga, them just losing their entire defense right now. And I, I feel like, you know, Hellebuck can only carry them so much when that defense is probably going to be very unproven, uh, quite frankly, this year. So I think they take a huge step back and uh, the Hawks can can squeak into that last wild card spot. Yeah, and uh, Hellebuck last... actually took a step back last year. Uh, he wasn't as good as he was the previous year. So, uh, you know, when he's got even a worse defense this year, who, who knows what's going to happen? Uh, next question. Do you see the Hawks splitting time between Crow and Laner? Uh, yeah, the over-under is 41. They're each going to play 41. <laughs> uh, no, uh, Laner serving more as a backup. I read that Crow feels better. This is from Jackie Davis, by the way, when he plays more, but uh, one hit to the head could put him out for good. I'm going to continue with where I went with when they signed him. Uh, I think they should give Laner uh, more starts. Maybe it's not a ton more starts, but I think they need to start worrying about moving past Corey Crawford. Uh, they need to decide what the future is going to be. You, your, your future can't be, you can't put all your eggs into a basket of a 35 year old goalie who's got major concussion problems as good as, as much as I like Corey Crawford and as good as he can be when he's on top of his game, I, you know, one, one swift hit uh, where he gets, you know, his head rattled off the post and he could be done for good. So you can't put your, you can't extend him long-term and you can't put you like, you just can't. He's too much of a risk, and uh, Robin Lander's much younger, and he's still, you know, on the he's still kind of in the prime of his career as far as a goalie goes. So he's a bigger goalie. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be able to absorb those hits a little better. Um, I just like, you know, I like both. I like them both as goalies. I mean, God, I like Calendelia too, but um, you know, I I think they need to give a majority of the starts to Lander uh, if they give. I, I just don't want to see him, you know, resting the on Corey Crawford because I don't trust it. Uh, so that's my thoughts on that. Anyone? Yeah, I I I would agree that Lanner is going to Lanner is going to get more starts. Um, I think uh, uh, Lanner will get more starts. I think Crawford will get the the opening night and probably the home opener starts. Um, just probably more out of you know respect to him than anything um you're 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 absolutely right Gata. i think you know his future beyond this year um is a little is a little cloudy with chicago obviously his legacy is not but um 
you know, I, I think, uh, I think at, at the age he's at in the physical condition he's been in, in recent years, um, I think leaves way too many questions for Chicago to really trust him beyond this year. Uh, Crawford that is, um, you know, I think Robin Leonard, if, if, <clears throat> if he can come close to duplicating what he did last year, um, I think that becomes a big part of why Chicago can, can get into the playoffs. Um, so I'll put it at that. Anyone else want to jump in on the uh, Crawford Laner thing? Yeah, I think anyone who watched Robin Leonard last year and what he did after, you know, his up and down career before that was really moved by it, but also just impressed by him because he's just a very steady goaltender. I watched a lot of him because obviously I'm a native New Yorker, but my dad's an Islanders fan. So I watched a lot of him this past season and I really just was impressed by him every single time. Almost very rarely did he have an off game and he was just, you know, making highlight real save after highlight real save every single game, keeping the Islanders in games. Honestly, I don't think they would have even made it to the second round if they didn't have him. He's fantastic. And I really think that this one year deal specifically is going to be more of a tryout for him than anything else to be the number one goaltender. I do love Corey Crawford with all my heart, but as somebody who has had a lot of concussions myself, I do think that they need to be a little bit more cautious with him and not give him as much ice time because they don't want him to get hurt again. They don't want anything happening to him. And I think if Leonard does well this season, you're probably going to see him becoming the number one goaltender for the Blackhawks. Good. All right, cool. Um, I'm going to do, I'm going to combine these last couple of questions because they kind of have a lot to do with each other. Uh, Cliff Deutsch first said, who's your favorite prospect? Not necessarily a great player, but someone who you want to see this year or next year. Um, I'm going to say Alexi Gravel, uh, just because he's a left-handed goalie. Um, Straight White Male also said, and there's a lot in here, but basically it just says, uh, you know, do Bocris and Doc make the team? Uh, how could they use the nine-game uh, tryout or trial for those guys? Um, I don't think, he, my personal opinion is, neither one of those guys should make the team. Um, maybe if, you know, DeHaan can't go, you could have – focused up for a couple games, but um, I think it's best to send him down. Uh, he is not on a nine-game trial. People keep saying that. He uh, he would play in Rockford. It has nothing to do with the nine games. He is going to burn the first year of his entry level this year because he's going to be in the pros. He's going to either be in the AHL or he's going to be in the NHL because he was drafted out of Sweden. So that import rule means that even though he played in uh, the CHL last year, he wasn't drafted out of the CHL. He was drafted out of Europe. So he can come, you know, if he could be sent to the AHL. So that's how that works. But um, that was, that was the case with, with uh, Tavo when he came over. Right. There you go. Excellent. And then Kirby doc, I just think nothing against the guy. I don't have anything against the guy, but I don't know that putting him at third line center is necessarily making the Blackhawks that much of a better team this year. I think, especially with the setback, with the concussion, uh, I think just send him back down. Let him get well, you know, when he's, when he's better. Let him go down there. Let him kind of just bum slay for a while. You know, just fine-tune himself, and then next year just assume he's going to step into the Blackhawks lineup. That's, I think, a more reasonable. Let him progress at his own pace. Don't force him. 
I don't know that necessarily nine games really does anything. If they want to keep him up for nine games, sure, go ahead. But maybe just get him, give him a head start when he's when he's okay to play. Give him a head start, and because I really, honestly, and I said this in the pre-chat, I don't think putting a guy on a plane. I mean, the the Blackhawks learned this with Corey Crawford. Putting a guy on a plane that's got a concussion, you know, to go overseas, like I don't think that's a good idea. I think they should leave him home, let him progress here, let him get better, then just send him back and. It, I don't think it's going to, you know, the Blackhawks winning the Stanley Cup does not hinge on Kirby Dock playing third-line center for them for nine games. It just doesn't. And I don't think he should stick around for the whole season either. Nothing against the guy. Jonathan Taze went back to college, you know, went back to college for a year. And he's one of the best, you know, centers the Blackhawks have ever seen. So, you know, just I don't think either one should make the team. as, But, you know, injuries may dictate otherwise. Um, that's my feeling on that. Boom. So favorite project or favorite prospect, not necessarily, we know what Mario is going to say, but, uh, and then uh, the Doc and uh, Bocas thing. So um, let's see, let's go with Ron first. Yeah, so my, I don't know, this is a tough one. I think my favorite prospect, so based on somebody I want to see this year or next year, I'm assuming that necessarily, I'm assuming that means in the NHL, uh, I think it's Brandon Hagel. Um, I, I really want to see how he can translate his game. I mean, he was over a hundred point score in the WHL. Sure. He was an overager, but I mean, you know, scoring a hundred points in the WHL is, is certainly no joke. So uh, I would like to see him up and maybe at some point, even if it's for, you know, just a handful of games, just to see what he can do at the NHL level. Um, that being said, I agree about, uh, you know, Boakvist. I don't think he should make the, the team outright. Uh, I think there's a good chance you see him at some point in the year, especially if there's an injury, um, just because, as you mentioned, Gate, you know, he isn't eligible for any transfer rules or anything like that. So, you know, he's burning that ELC regardless. So they're going to try and maximize that ELC as much as possible. Um, you know, and I would kind of be OK with Kirby Doc going back to uh, the Blades and Bumslaying because then I get to cover him all season. <laughs> there you go. So, um, but, yeah, I think that's probably best for him. I, I you know. You mentioned it when we were kind of just talking early on, you know, the the concussion might have really put Doc back a year in terms of playing up with this team. Um, yeah, that's kind of what know, I think. Yeah, if it was I mean, just one you know, game, it would be one he, thing. Yeah, if he was if he was playing the preseason, I think 100 percent he at least at minimum gets the nine game trial before being sent back to Saskatoon. Uh, whereas now, yeah, I mean, I think it just makes sense to let him go bum slay in the in the WHL for a year. You know, if he can go back and do Brandon Hagel type numbers, you know, in the WHL this year, I think that would clearly show the Hawks that he's ready to, you know, make that transition to the NHL next season. And, you know, who knows? Maybe he comes in and first year as a winger in the top six, or maybe he is that, you know, third line center who can, you know, be more of like a having a second two line center type concept. So yeah. um, we'll have to wait and see, but yeah, I agree. I don't think either of them make it outright, but I do think we see Bokefist at some point this season, even if it's for 10 games or so. Yeah. I think he could be a call up injury call up or something like that, or maybe over Christmas or whatever. They might want to give someone a break or, or something like that. So um, Eric, you're next. You, you haven't spoken in a while. Yeah. Um, I would agree almost entirely with what Ron had to say about both Bokefist and doc. I think that they're um, <laughs> both better suited to just develop um, and, and really be fully ready before they step in full time. Um, and then going for pros 
prospects. Um, I guess I'll give a few. Um, maybe one guy that stands out to me as being probably closer to the NHL would be Kershev. Um, I just think that he's a, a pretty intriguing um, offensive talent. Um, and then maybe a little bit of longer-term guys that, that might be a few years away. Um, like I mentioned earlier, Jake Wise. Um, I'm just really curious to see how he's able to do with um, hopefully a full season here. Um, and then, of course, Josiah Slavin. I knew. There it is. I knew it. <laughs> um, who else we got here? Juliana. Um, I agree with everything that everyone said so far on Doc and Boquist. I would be, I would love to see Doc obviously play with the Blackhawks this year, but obviously we want to, you know, have him take his concussion seriously and recover, you know, well and not try and jump back into it just so he can try out for nine games with the Blackhawks and also go overseas. That would be counterproductive and pointless. And with Boquist, I would love to see him up at some point, but I do agree that the best thing right now for the Blackhawks to do is to send him down and get some games with Rockford and to spend some time around the young guys. As for prospects, I'll kind of do a little bit of what Eric did. I would say my favorite prospect right now that's definitely going to be a little bit more NHL ready is Nicholas Bodin. I think he's superb. I really want to see him in the NHL and have, you know, maybe that experience and see how his two-way game translates and then for long-term prospects, I really want to see what um, someone like Alex Vlasic can do. I know we commented earlier on his skating, but I would be interested to see if maybe he does become that 5-6 type defensive defenseman in the NHL. And then I would say even longer term, I would like to see Matthew Highmore up again. I really was impressed with him last year when he did go up to the NHL and he was on the Blackhawks for a few games. I would love to see him maybe like work his way into a fourth line role again. Cool. Aaron. Oh, uh, I'm going to give a quick shout out to Jake Martin. Um, thanks for asking the question and thanks for your service with the Chicago PD guy works hard every night and appreciate it. We used to work together and he's a good guy. Um, I have to agree with you on that. He's helped me through some tough times lately. Uh, he's a, he's a great dude. He reached out to me and uh, Jake Martin is a is solid dude. So go ahead. Yep. Uh, I'm going to start with my favorite prospect and I didn't think I was going to say this, but I thought about it more. I'm really, I'm really pulling for Dennis Gilbert. Um, I feel like he has the potential to be our next Brent Seabrook. And I know he's got the size, maybe not the offensive ability, but we just don't have a lot of defensemen where, you know, you see forwards coming up the side and they kind of dump it in and kind of hop around the defenseman. We don't have a lot of forwards like, you know, Brent Seabrook used to do where you just close that forward out, just put him down on his wallet. So I'm really hoping Dennis Gilbert can be that player of like a really physical force, you know, clear the net, um, but also have um, a solid, you know, leadership background and, and be really good getting the puck up the ice. So, I, I'm really rooting for him. Um, as far as the Doc and Boquist thing, I think at this point we're in the transition where the Hawks are just ready. They're ready to get back in the playoffs. Like Patrick Kane, Jonathan Tays had great years. I mean, and I just don't think the NHL is the same with Patrick Kane sitting at home in June. So I, 
if I were the Blackhawks and Doc is cleared, I would just let him let him play nine games. Or if if in those nine games he's ready to go, like let's let's see what these guys can do at the NHL level. They're going to make their mistakes, but um, if they can at least help and contribute, similar to what Kale McCarr did last year in the playoffs. Oh, there it is, Kale McCarr. And skill prospects, top 10, both of them. So I think they can run with the Hawks um, in the regular season. I'd like to see both of them up. Okay. And Mario. Yeah, I mean, as far as Boquist and Doc go, I mean, if if you guys want to rewind and listen to what Gates said, that's pretty much everything I would have I would have pointed out. Um, I've said my piece on Boquist already. Um, I, I I think for Doc, um, in in his situation, um, you know, if, if there's anyone that knows about the severity of concussions and what it what it takes to come back from them, it is Jeremy Colleton. Um, you know, concussion issues essentially ended his playing career. So I think when it comes to that, um, you know, their, their, their best option is probably to, you know, keep him, keep him with the team, probably don't send him on a, on an eight hour flight overseas, but keep him with the team. Um, as long as, as long as he can be, you know, under their watch, uh, going through the, the recovery process and whatnot. Um, and then eventually send him to Saskatoon to, you know, get get ice time play uh you know play 20 minutes a night um you know maybe you know it might not be uh you know playing in the nhl but you know we talked about putting up you know huge numbers in, in the whl i mean if if he goes out and has a has a year where he's um you know where he's putting up uh 100 points or something like that i think that that's you know going to be a confidence boost and then next year he he you know, puts it all together and starts right off the gate in the NHL. I think that that's, you know, that's a path that, that he can, that he can go down. Um, you know, Boquist and Doc, they're going to be cornerstones of the franchise, hopefully for the next, you know, decade or so. And I think, uh, you know, if, if this was last year and you kind of had that sense, like, you know, this season might, might be a, a stinker for Chicago. Um, then I think, you know, you, you, use throw them to the wolves and see what they got. Um, you know, I was, I, I, I was on that boat last year with Boquest for, for, for some time in, in the summer and thought, you know, just let him run and see what he's see what he can do. But, um, I think this year there's a bit of a more sense of, you know, realistically that Chicago can contend for the playoffs. Does Boquist and doc put them over the top? Maybe, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's enough of a, uh, of, you know, a probability that, you know, you, you, you throw them both into the NHL right away. Um, favorite, uh, prospect. I mean, obviously you guys know, um, I, I have a, uh, love affair with, uh, Tim Soderland. Um, it's, it's very well documented, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm interested to see how he develops. Another guy that I really like, um, in I just I don't know his his off the ice seems like a really good kid with with a good head on his shoulders um and you know I talked a little bit about him you know when we were going through tier four as Mackenzie Entwistle um you know I th- I think he has a a good future ahead of him and I yeah I, and this and this has nothing to do with the fact that his whole family follows me on Twitter but um <laughs> but I, I yeah I uh 
I'm, I'm interested to see how he how he develops as a pro. Cool. And I just want to also say that uh, Hockey Keeperist actually had uh, a uh, question about Doc too. So I just kind of threw them all in together. So we didn't. Uh, we're going a little long here. So, um, so I think we're good. Everyone good? Yep. I'm good. All right. Cool. Yes. Awesome. Well, I want to thank all you guys for your hard work because you guys killed it with this with this thing. Um, you know, the tears. I think you know. Unfortunately, we may do it again next year. I know it's going to be a lot of work, but I think it's a good summer project. Uh, you guys killed it, though. So uh, I'm really proud of what you guys did. And I don't want Ray to get lost in all this. He couldn't make it tonight. He's working. But Ray Napiantic, he was just as much of a part of this as anybody was. Um, and it was it was kind of nice to sit on the outside and just kind of watch what you guys did and, and do all your work. So, uh, you know, props to all of you guys. And, uh, you know, good job on all of it. So. So with that, um, I don't have any last plugs other than go to puckhockey.com, check out uh, the puck, you know, the rinkware, get your rinkware over there. Uh, you can find all of our comprehensive content, including the wrap-up post. Uh, I think I might actually make it a sticky for a while. Um, the wrap-up post for the, uh, the prospect tiers, uh, you can go in there and you can see a lot longer you know, uh, recaps and things like that as far as that goes. It's got links to each tier and all that good stuff. So that's at www.thudashrink.com. You can find us on all the popular social media at the rink official. Uh, the, the podcast is at, at rinkcast uh, or at the rinkcast. Sorry. I'm at puck and hostel. John is at, at Jekyll. And then for our writers, we have, um, we'll start with Ray who's hockey knapsack on Twitter. Uh, Eric is W a laxer 19 on Twitter. Uh, Mario is Mario underscore Tarabasi. Aaron Goldschmidt is late in the Goldie and Juliana Nakach. Uh, she, that's just how she spells her name is her, is her Twitter. Uh, uh, I will link everybody in the posts. So if you want to just go to the, the Twitter posts that list the podcast, everyone's Twitter names will be there. If you'd like to go follow them, I suggest you do. They all do great work. Uh, and Juliana will also be doing a little bit of work for the NWHL this year. Um, which is very nice. So um, not on our site, in her own, you know, in, in her own little uh, world. She's going to be doing some work. So we're very proud of her uh, doing, doing that you. stuff. So congratulations on that. Thank you so much. I appreciate the shout out. That was awesome. Of course. We're glad to have you here. So we're really uh, happy to have you, have you jump on along with all the other new writers. So you've been a, a pleasant surprise for all of us here at, uh, at the website. So. Uh, if you get a chance, head Ron. what's that? Oh, I'm sorry, Ron. Ron. <laughs> I, I, I skipped over you cause I looked at Ray's name and, uh, yeah, Ron loose. You can't, you can't, you can't, uh, can't skip Ron. Uh, it's R N L D and his last name L U C E on uh, Twitter. I'm sorry, Ron. I apologize. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. Eric said everybody unfollow Ron. Um, <laughs> But Ron works really hard with the website as well, um, as, as will everyone this year. You'll see that all coming. Uh, but uh, if you get a chance, please head over, rate, review us uh, on iTunes or whatever your specific podcatcher is. Um, from what I heard on another podcast, if you do the unsubscribe, resubscribe, it will push us up the, uh, you know, up the ranks of the uh, podcasts. But you don't have to do that. You can if you want, but uh, you know, either way. Wink, um, wink. Yeah, wink, wink. I don't want to tell you what to do, but yeah. 
So, um, with all this said and all this content we just brought you, um, welcome to Season 3, Episode 1. And uh, we'll be seeing you probably weekly throughout the season. So, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedules to download, listen, and support us. Until next episode, 